I think. We are good to go. So. I've been shaved. Cheers. Got rid of it on Monday, bro. Cheers to new facial hair, Evan, episode 59. Oh. Cheers. I, uh, yeah, I forgot to grab something, so no cheers for me. This is, um, lemon Bacardi rum mixed with some Baja Blast from Taco Bell. I'm drinking the new Super Crisp Light Beer Bud Light Next. Review. That was from, uh, like, from the future. A solid is. seven and a half out of ten. Seven point five out of ten. Not bad. It's very good. Some people out there on the social media saying it has no flavor, no taste, but there is a slight citrus uh, taste to it. I enjoy it. And everyone's like, oh, it's too light. Like, well, yeah, it's advertised as a light beer. It's got zero carbs. Those people have no flavor and no taste. Correct. Um, Tonight, today is tonight. I feel like once you get past 5 p.m., it's nighttime. Oh, yeah. Wednesday, February 16th, 5.58 p.m. Welcome into the number one sports podcast in Michigan. And Matthew Stafford is a Super Bowl champion. I told you all you would be. Feels good. I was thinking about this today. Shower thought. We started this podcast about a year ago, and one of our first shows was the bombshell trade. And to think that we'd wind up one year later eating Taco Bell again, but this time discussing Matthew Stafford as the Super Bowl champion of the trade. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Uh, the Rams officially won the trade. <laughs> the Rams won the trade. It's unfortunate. You know, I thought it was going to be close for a while, but they won the trade. It could turn into a win-win if we uh, get a playoff win out of it, something like that. But for now, it's a big win on their side already. Um, let's preview the show. We have our weekly recaps, which are always lively. Super Bowl 56 kind of recap and just closing thoughts on that. Michigan and Michigan State college basketball chatter. Uh, Marvin Bagley got traded to the Pistons. We'll dive into that a tiny, tiny bit since the Pistons are dog water this year. And also uh, a guest. We should be having a guest on this show, an interview. You'll know him if you're on Twitter. The MSU chief of propaganda will be coming on this show later to talk all things Michigan State and one of the most influential people in the Michigan State ecosystem. So looking forward to that. Alex, did you just get shot by a bullet? I'd rather not talk about it. Tummy cramps. <laughs> that time of the month. Nice. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, before we get into weekly recaps, I would like to be a man of my integrity and honor, and I have a stat correction of myself from last show. I read something that proved something I said last weekend was factually incorrect about our previous offensive coordinator at Michigan, Josh Gaddis. I said he stopped recruiting last year. That is not true. He still recruited last year. So I got lost in the Twitter sauce rumor train on that one. Um, he, he did recruit. So I would like to correct that because this is a factual podcast. Um, now, diving into the weekly recap, I will not explain mine first. I will tee up Alex for his because uh, I did some some digging earlier today, and now it wasn't as scandalous okay. as I thought, but this is a quote from, I think, episode 56 or 57, just a mere couple of weeks ago. Quote, I think that might have been it for me. I might end up in there again, but it's probably a no. 
in reference to Rick's American Cafe. Yes, in I East ended Lansing. up back in there. <laughs> yes, I did. Did I want to go? No. Did I feel obligated because I was there for the weekend? Yes. Did I enjoy it? No. Would I like to retire again? Yes. This time for real. He's I would love to retire. Farf. I would love to retire officially, assuming the Minnesota Vikings or the New York Jets do not come calling. I believe, uh, as one of our listeners put it and brought it to our attention, Ricks was retired for less time than Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, it was all of uh, less than a month. So... Um, I'm disappointed that I ended up in there. However, I'm going to recap my weekend because that was not even remotely the highlight. Uh, I did go to East Lansing for the weekend uh, to hang out with my good buddy, Evan, and his roommate, friend of the podcast, Luke, Andrew. He also showed up. Uh, We went to uh, several bars Friday night. Uh, Good time. You know, nothing crazy occurred that i can remember evan might touch on something that i'm forgetting but then the real more enjoyable fun i'd say was saturday we went to rama um had i've only been once and it was like six years ago and honestly i was there for like 15 minutes so i wouldn't even really count it so i'd say this is my first time uh it was a good time you know five dollar pitchers of beer Enjoyed it thoroughly and watched uh, Michigan State beat Indiana and get everyone's hopes up about the basketball team. So overall, good weekend. Then I got convinced on Sunday to stay for the entire Super Bowl. So I didn't even get back to my home until midnight, maybe on Sunday. And then, you know, got back up for the the nine to five. So overall, pretty good weekend. Love that for you, man. Appreciate it. As Alex I mean, said, I was with him. Um, went to Luha's, and then we went to the Riv, same place that holds Rama. So uh, we were at the Riv for a solid, I don't know, nine, ten hours. From Out of 24? The time we walked in there Friday night until the time we left Saturday evening. Um, just boozed it up. Quality time. Super Bowl was fun. Party was fun. Bets were fun. Um, just quality time hanging out with friends. Getting way too drunk to need to be. Yeah. Accurate. I got a shoe thrown at me as well. <laughs> I'm probably one of the best snaps of my life actually took place uh, Saturday evening. Um, You know, just when you day drink, you start pounding pitchers at 12 30 and you just keep on drinking until 5 30 there's going to be a nap in there and i took one of the best naps of my life uh during the michigan ohio state game it was wonderful way too can't short. confirm really good nap it should have slept been through the night yep yep other than that that was probably the highlight nothing really stood out it wasn't like two three weeks ago at rick so i remember this Old. entire weekend Old stickies. <laughs> um, our paths also crossed. The the boys had a had a mini reunion. Oh, that's for a right. Cu- you were there. A couple hours there. Um, it was my first trip to the Riviera Cafe in my life, and it's <laughs> the Riviera. It's God, a lovely, it's a, it's a lovely day drinking spot. If I had to say so myself, 
Um, outside of that, it was my first, I would probably say real Valentine's weekend. So that was a huge life step uh, Gross. On, the, on, the, on the path of life. So overall, pretty good. Don't think I made any any mistakes. So it's always good. It's always nerve wracking. You know, you when, know you're, when you're yeah, when you're giving gifts, you just want to make sure that you put some thought into it. Um, I would like to shoot down some rumors of me converting my fandom. There was some mm. egregious pictures taken, some egregious. videos taken. Uh, was I told to wear a jersey to the Riviera Cafe? Yes. Did I have to? No. Um, but I just kind of felt like I when the video. you do something monetarily wise for a team, um, it's okay to say we and it's okay to cheer for them. So that's my mindset. And anyone that wants to try to tell me otherwise, well... I encourage you to try my method because it's pretty fun. Um, so that was good. I also have still have the magic touch when it comes to claw machines at arcades. One, a sweet stuffed animal, like a little husky dog. Um, one take only. Just grab the head of that thing with the claw. Perfect. Eyed it up from the side and everything. So that was good to know. Uh, and Sunday, treacherous drive home. I can send you guys like a, uh, a Instagram reel or TikTok from Barstool, Detroit. There was a person that uh documented the trip that i was on basically and it was just patches of extreme snow in your face and you couldn't see the car in front of you essentially everyone had their hazards on and then it'd be sunny for like 10 minutes and then go right back to the the snow it probably took at least like two and a half hours which is normally an hour and 15 minute trip so that was f- another grip the steering wheel moment so probably probably top three or four four worst drive ever so good to make it through that shout out lafonda still kicking it and then an update on a saga that was pretty funny um la fitness called me yesterday and oh, wow big the same guy he just kind of reached they back out you. left i thank goodness i i almost answered it uh but thankfully i was actually at the rival gym ymca when oh, the call happened the irony drop. <laughs> the the irony no free and, sponsors and uh thank goodness i didn't answer it because it was the guy that uh, tried to set me up at la fitness and just ignored it he left a voicemail and said hey you can't he pretend like he didn't really know who i was i guess that's a classic tactic or something it's like oh you came in a couple weeks ago i apparently so i want to see if you're still interested uh no nope, no return phone call there we have we are happily moved on uh, that's i thought that was just funny to share Weekly recaps in the books, boys. Let's move to Super Bowl 56, the highlight of Sunday, highlight of the weekend. Um, Evan, you get to go first on this one. You can take this anywhere you want it. You can have an opening statement like a coach at a press conference. He's raising the roof right now, throwing it back to the 1990s. Uh, the floor is yours, Evan. Um, I just It feels good to be right. Um, it was nerve-wracking down the stretch there for a while for the Rams. Um, not my team. I'm a Stafford fan. I get that out of the way. It's even more nerve-wracking when you put a lot of money on the game for a uh, broke college kid. A little more than I should have as somebody on this podcast tried to talk me out of it. Um, But it just – Stafford played well and he was like – he is, I would say, 55% of the reason they won that football game was the way that he played. Um, You can point it any way you want. No, this is not to – Detroit Rams is not the Los Angeles Lions. I'm not doing that book, but it feels good. And it feels good now that they're having the parade and he's getting a little confirmation for how well he played in the fourth quarter this year, how well he played down the stretch, how well he played in the playoffs. Um, Just 12 years of suck in Detroit now finally pays off for one great year 
in Los Angeles. That was beautiful. That's my quarterback. That's a really good opening. I have two gripes with my Super Bowl watching experience. Oh. Uh, Mainly... Mainly just one, I guess. Um, when the Detroit Rams, Los Angeles Lions fan, Evan, watched his team win, he clapped in my face and then tried to shake my hand as if he didn't completely disrespect me with a full-on clapping facial, which I just, you know, Evan, I would like I'm, to give you a chance to defend yourself that maybe you just let your emotions get the best of you, but... I wasn't cheering against you. I was just rooting for Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals and where my money was. Yes, was I, I 100% agree. That that was not a disrespectful clap. That was a join this bandwagon fandom. Well, not our bandwagon fandom. Um, join our lines. fandom for Matthew Stafford because I know deep down if you asked little – little AJ, little Alex Jr. way back when that Stafford is your favorite player. Um, of all oh, time, for sure. and he would have been super proud for him to win a Super Bowl, and it was just disgusting to see you sulk on the couch like, "Wow, the Cincinnati." I lost Bengals money lost. too. It wasn't just. Wasn't By the way, just you shouldn't that. even cheer him that hard because that is Grant's team. Yeah, that True. felt bad too. I was in a tough predicament. Go with Evan or go with Grant. Would rather go with neither, but you can't. And the only other thing I'll say was that I. I Despite everyone, I got a lot of um, receipts being brought up from the podcast last week. I've gotten some some hate for what I said about not cheering for Matthew Stafford. Oh, yeah. So I just want to put this on the record. I am happy for Matthew Stafford. I've never had any problem with the quarterback and the person, Matthew Stafford. My whole reason for cheering against them was the LA Lions and the Detroit Rams garbage that I was seeing. That was the only reason. But, yeah, so I am happy for Matthew Stafford, and he – I don't think he had a fantastic game, but he did deliver a game-winning drive and uh, a fourth-quarter comeback, you can say. So, good for him. Happy for him. And he got super drunk at the parade today and looked awesome. Yeah, parade – I just can't wait for a parade for us. My opening statement will be – before I do that, a little tribute to the Rams here. Today's card, this week's card, we have a – it's a little chrome, so it's really hard to see in the reflection, but a little Tory Holt, St. Louis Rams, actually, a little Bowman rookie card there. So, shout out to those uniforms are absolutely disgusting, like in a good way. But it ties in because I'd like to start off my Super Bowl thoughts with a wide receiver, Cooper Cup, man. I cannot wait to tell my kids or grandkids and just explain to them the dominance that this man displayed. And when you just see him, like you visually look at him as just kind of a. You know, we'll call a spade a spade, just an average looking white guy out there just shredding the league's most elite talent on the biggest stage when it matters most. Eli and, Apple and, is not elite. <laughs> can't spell elite without Eli. Mm. Uh, but it reminds me of my dad would show me highlight tapes when I was young of Steve Largent for the Seahawks. Real deep cut there. He's a Hall of Fame wideout. Um, white guy from Seattle and he was just insane you watch those highlight tapes and it just reminds me of someone like that but the stats on Cooper Cup 21 total games this season counting you know regular season and postseason 178 receptions 2,425 yards and 22 touchdowns so that is the first two categories receptions and yards he holds the record in for 
a combined season. The only person who has more touchdowns in a combined season is Randy Moss with 24. Cup has the triple crown like we talked about in the regular season and with Super Bowl MVP. So quite quite honestly, there's you can easily make the case it's the best wide receiver season of all time that we got to witness. And yes, one more regular season game was added and Calvin is right out there in the discussion, but he cemented himself among one of the best single seasons of all time. It'd be fascinating to see how the rest of his career goes, especially if him Stafford stays there for a while and the connection they have. But that was absolutely insane what Cooper Cup did, especially in the fourth quarter. My question to you guys is, is the Monday morning hot take factory Stafford Hall of Famer or not? Are you asking if he will be or if we think he should be? Take it whatever way you want. I think he will end up in the Hall of Fame. He has the stats and now the Super Bowl. So, yes, I think he will be in. I think he will be in as well on the same point. He's going to finish in top 10 in almost every passing category for quarterbacks. Um, He's not the only only one that benefited from a pass-happy league nowadays. Um, So that point is null. And, you know, he's only been outdone by a couple quarterbacks throughout his entire career, stats-wise, not team record-wise. And now he has the Super Bowl. So... Possibly more. You never know what can happen in the next three years. So I think he definitely will make the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying first ballot. It might take him, I don't know, five, ten years to get in, but I definitely think he'll be in. Well, no hot takes from us because I agree with you guys. I would say if he like were to retire today, I think it'd be pretty tough. It'd be it'd be you'd really have to look at it and and think about it because as it stands right now, he definitely could get in if he retired today. But it'd be like I said, it'd be tougher. I was kind of projecting. Let's say he plays four to five more years, and let's say he throws four, for four thousand yards, which he almost threw for five thousand this year, and throws for only twenty touchdowns per year, which he threw for forty-eight or something, high forties, like over forty. So I like cut. I would give him conservative estimates. Um, he's eleventh in yards in passing yards in history right now. He'd finished top seven at that rate I talked about. And then he's 12th in TDs passing right now. He'd finish top seven in that as well. And as it stands right now, he's fifth overall in fourth quarter comebacks, which is a huge quarterback thing because that just kind of shows you're able to take a game over and you know use your skills to get your team out of a bad situation that you may have put them in, but still, when it matters, you play your best. So I think if you're top seven in two of those categories, like I said, and you have a Super Bowl win, I think it's pretty much a no-brainer because like... You're going to look at it at the end of his career, and he's probably going to pass Phil Rivers in a couple of those categories, and Phil Rivers has never won one. So I think if Phil Rivers is going to go in and people's book, then Stafford has to go in as well. That's my only really thoughts about that. The other QB, for my guy, I'll defend him, but it's hard to. Joe Burrow, man, he just looked off in this game for almost all of it. And obviously, we saw Mahomes get rattled last Super Bowl with the pass rush of Tampa Bay. So it's very understandable Joe Burrow looked off, but you, you saw it right away. Like the first fourth and one they went for on the 50, which was ballsy to begin with. He missed two wide open guys to the right of the field and tried to force it into Jamar Chase. He missed Chris Evans on that little running back wheel route on the second drive and just had a couple other like uncharacteristic throws. Still played good enough to keep a minute, obviously, but it was a good reminder of how big the stage is and even Joe cool and all Joe shysty and all these nicknames. Like it's the moment still massive. And I guess he was playing on a sprained MCL towards the end that came out today. 
Um, both quarterbacks obviously got banged up, but pretty solid debut for in the Super Bowl for him, but definitely not like didn't come in there and just surgically attack LA like some people thought. Um, other point, I think we should all just appreciate Aaron Donald. I mean, that guy is just an absolute mayhem creator out there, cemented his legacy as probably a top three defensive player of all time. Some people will tell you he's the best. He's the best I've ever witnessed with my eyeballs. I wasn't alive for the other ones that people talk about, like Lawrence Taylor. He's probably so, the best interior defensive lineman of all time. It has to be. Hard right? to debate. Like he's just Because everyone else kind of is like an edge rusher. I think so. he's been all pro every year he's been in the league, and that just means like you're the best or second best in the position. I think he missed one, and it was his rookie year, but he was rookie of the year. Yeah, he's just he's just insane. Um, we do have to call out. We talked about it in our text group chat, but the game it it sucked for points. Like the third quarter, I almost fell asleep. I was a little tired from the weekend, and I was like, Grant, you can't go to sleep. It's the Super Bowl, but so many three and outs. Some like the Rams always had great field position on the fifty, and then just stalled out. And the Bengals just got sacked every possession. Um, it wasn't but, a great game. No, it had some cool plays, like some big catches and stuff. Like Odell's was sweet. I love slot fades. I wrote that down. Slot fades are like one of the sexiest plays in football. I love them so much. But it was like, it, and then we felt robbed at the end because it felt like it was destined for overtime, the way it was trending. And it just, like we said, um, Alex, you pointed out first, it's like you get the third and one on plus territory around the 50 with needing a field goal. Like you need like 10 to 20 yards, second yards, and one, second and one. And then it's Samaj P Ryan time. You know, they took a shot on second and one deep, which is still questionable. Like you don't need to, pl- I mean, it's cool to try to go for the touchdown. You don't need it. Then you just run right it down with Samaj P Ryan. When Mixon was getting 4.8 yards per carry on the day, top five back <laughs> probably in the NFL, and but then, in Samaj P Ryan. And then obviously P. Ryan wasn't the first read on fourth down, but he's the the guy that the ball goes to. It's just like, how does Samaj P. Ryan find himself in the game getting back-to-back target and touch in that situation? Just absurd. And just ended so fast. It just was so abrupt. Um, there was a lot of drama. Like I remember, I mean, I'm sure my heart was racing during that whole Stafford drive because the longer it went, you're like, wow, if they don't score here, this game is over. Like the way it milked and kept milking, I was like, oh, they're not going to get the ball back. They have to score. And... So, yeah, there was some intensity in the game, 100%. Um, was there any other things that really stood out to you guys from the game itself as opposed to all like the fanfare that comes around in the Super Bowl? Mm, no. Not X's and O's wise. Maybe the uh, only other play that stood out to me was, uh, well, Jamar Chase's grab was ridiculous and just how good he is in general is, is ridiculous for a rookie. Unbelievable reception. And the rookie linebacker on the Rams that just shed Joe Mixon's block and then still made the sack was pretty wild play. It's pretty impressive. Uh, I believe that. Yeah, Ernest Jones had a yeah really solid game. Yeah, so some good young talent in the game. I have one trivia question for you guys that I saw from a tweet. So if you've seen a tweet, just play dumb here. But Cam Akers had... An atrocious game like the Rams in general just could not run the football at all which was alarming and you know they still won so credit to them so uh this is from at Marcus underscore Mosher he posted a chart of the Super Bowl winners leading rusher and salary since 2009 and I just want to know if you guys could think in your brain who you think 
is the highest paid player on this list going back to 2009. You don't have to guess the salary amount they made, but just the name itself. I'd be stunned if you got this right without already seeing this chart. On the winning team in the Super Bowl in the, the last Super Bowl winners, 11 yeah, years. Leading rusher. And then he put their salary as well to illustrate a point. But I'm just saying the name at the start of this is insane. We're looking for the lowest paid. No, the highest paid. Oh, James White. No. No, that's that's my best guess. I've seen a list, and I think I know. remember what it was, so I'm not going to. The name Uh, is Percy Harvin, the highest highest paid leading rusher for a Super Bowl winner. And I'll read you the names quickly. Cam Akers, Leonard Fournette, Damian Williams, Sony Michelle, LeGarrette Blunt twice, CJ Anderson, LeGarrette Blunt again, Percy Harvin, Ray Rice, Ahmad Bradshaw, James Starks, and Pierre Thomas. And the highest salary was $2,500,000 from Percy Harvin. Wasn't Leonard getting $2,000,000? Yeah, Leonard made $2,000,000. A ton of bonuses, but yes. His base was low. When Swift's contract is up in 2024 and we're still repping out this podcast and we're massive, we just need to remember this chart when it comes time to pay Swift or not. (laughs) Because that is stunning and that's like not that's not like an outlier. Like that is that is some serious data to 2009 of like you don't need to be the Cowboys and pay ZQ Elliott millions and millions of dollars. And you know all the quality offensive teams are just going to follow this replication. Yeah. Um, you look at well, kind of the Rams. Uh, K-Makers is on like a rookie deal. I don't know if he'll get re-signed. Um, the Chiefs are one team that sticks out to me greatly. They're going to be a running back by committee. I don't see them signing CEH after his rookie deal is up. Um, it's just one of those positions that teams think you can get production no matter who's back there as long as the scheme's right and you have a decent offensive line. So yeah. it's crazy to think, like, almost, like, do you start betting the Super Bowl based off of who the running back is? <laughs> because <laughs> How if much the, they I make? Because if the running back's making over $2.5 million, that team's probably not going to win. I like that. Yeah. I mean, that's I like that probably, next year. probably not, like, to just – doesn't have a lot of logic behind it other than that graphic, but yeah, yeah we can go with that. If Barry Sanders was in a Super Bowl, I mean, I if wouldn't he just was, pick he against was. him. Hell no. would freeze over if he was ever. <laughs> There's also um, that, a hypothetical question real quick, unless you have a point on that, Grant. Yeah. No, go ahead. Uh, there was a, I saw a hypothetical question from the Lions fans. How many Super Bowls would have the Lions won if Matthew Stafford, Calvin, and Barry all played together? One, zero, at least one. We don't have a. You have to have a defense still. Yeah, but we would have been scoring. All like right, 40 we would have won in the year we did have a top five defense. So the year we lost to Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Barry for Sanders sure. is on that team. We win, and we would beat. We would beat the Saints if they had, if we had those three. We probably would have scored like forty points a playoff game. It would have been absurd. Give up thirty eight. Awesome. Yeah. Um, do you guys believe there's any? This is another theory thrown out by Nolan ben- uh, Bianchi on Twitter. Uh, I like this theory because it gives fans hope, and we never have any as Lions fans. But there's a potential that uh, Matthew Stafford winning a Super Bowl with another team has broken the curse on the Lions, and now we are destined to have success. Um. No. Dumb. I kind I kind of like it. You I, know, I, with- I think it's like that. I think the curse will be broken as soon as. 
the Lions Lion team wins a playoff game. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl that year, the first year they win a Super uh, playoff game, but I feel like that curse, that's when the curse will be broken. The curse will be broken when the talent is better than the teams they face. So when the Lions are actually good, there won't be a curse because there is no curse. It's not a curse. They just stink. No, it's a curse. That's it. The curse of Bobby Lane. Of the curse of Bobby stuff. Lane was real, but I guess I was reading his thread, and that ended in 1997. Technically, the 50-year curse he put on the Lions, but you know we haven't broken it, and maybe we just need because like Calvin and Barry, we wasted, but they never got to go on to better things. Like maybe letting Matthew Stafford fly and winning gives us good karma in the NFL universe, and I'm down for that. Fully in. Are you the dumb logic lions that think that Stafford could come back to the Lions after we rebuild? I that was my next tweet from Adam Duxter. Yes, I love it. I read it. Mm-hmm. Unrestricted so FA. He's come back. It's a fifty-two-year-old. No, so no, he's it's 20, be- 2023. Yeah. Two years. He'll be thirty-six. He's not coming back, dude. I think he would. Did you see him point to his heart when he saw the guy in the Lions jersey in the parade? I'm just telling you. I <laughs> think that year's Super Bowl is in New Orleans too, so it'd be kind of like. Heartwarming gift for uh, uh, Dan Campbell going back to where he got his coaching debut. Oh my debut. god! Stop! Super Bowls in New stop. Orleans. But could you guys imagine? Like, there's a real I'm just chance. Shut it down. This is a not real, happening. If the Rams like things feel bad and no. they, they've mortgaged their future, and they he's won like, a Super Bowl, Grant. Right, but what if in it's at not the end go of, bad? It's it already could good. Go bad. No matter what, could retire it whenever he wanted to. Uh, he keeps on flirting with it. Alex, we just watched Tom Brady leave his team after winning the Super Bowl and like be done. He's just, I'm out because it's not a winner anymore. Beat Tom Brady. And that, he, he did, said, but you know what? I have to pass the reins. So on to you guys player. think that Stafford, after tasting all this beautiful, sweet success, wants to go to the franchise in professional sports that ruined him for 12 years? And no, then I the second th- he leaves, he wins a Super Bowl. And you think, you know what? I really want to go back to those hard times. You know, I really loved that. It was awesome. Yeah. Never winning anything. I think he would try if it was towards the end of his career. And let's say he wins another one in LA and then they like are kind of crappy because they mortgaged everything and people retire on their team. I think he would 100% would. I think he's that loyal kind of guy. And if he saw that our team was built like successfully and we just needed a quarterback because we whiffed on two draft choices, he'd be like, I'll do mm. it. So you're also banking on the lines being good at that point. Yeah, they're going to have talent on their roster. Like they're built, we're building something. I just, we don't have a quarterback. Pass. It's not happening. It definitely, to say it couldn't. I mean, I don't, you just, you've described what LeBron James did in the NBA. I know it's a different league, but he did the same. Yeah. You also hate LeBron and LeBron's also a weird, super weird dude. And I I hate LeBron because of his off field actions. I love Matt Stafford's wife doesn't want to go back to Detroit either. How do you, well, that seems egregious just to say that out loud. Do you think, you think all those little kids want to move? All the time, change they schools. Pop- well, they don't no. get a choice. Daddy's making the big bucks. Alex, we're talking. He gets, to live, <laughs> he gets to live two more seasons in L.A. We're still. We're not talking about like next year. He's leaving. We're li- two uh, that's more pretty seasons. Soon, his daughters are going to be like seven ish, eight ish. It's a big, big time to be moved. Uh, trust me, as a nine year old that moved out of the country, it's not fun. They had no problem moving to L.A. So. Yeah, well, I'm super. I'm sure it's super difficult when you're a multimillionaire. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm not gonna join Alex's side in saying Stafford wouldn't come back to Detroit because of his daughters. I don't <laughs> think that's a case. I think he'd figure it um, out. Also, Grant, I think one year ago on our podcast, you said you were okay with Stafford leaving and it was time for a change, and now you want him back. I would. 
take him back in 2023 if it I, both things can be true it was time like we just nothing was happening and our management was uh, horrendous and we needed a fresh air and if we blow the draft and we can't find a quarterback i would definitely take stafford back in 2024 makes sense 54 percent of single people in the united states would take their ex back immediately i heard Ooh. that on the radio on the valentine's oh, day stat love that yeah i uh, didn't just come up with it i know Speaking you didn't of, come up with it i didn't know if you just looked it up on your own <laughs> no does that apply to you oh <laughs> speaking of radio music the halftime show uh what'd you guys think just any brief thoughts on it thought it was good i thought it was very brief. well done um like i said to somebody yesterday i think i said it's, it's kind of hard to do like a big old blowout show in like 20 minutes and you're trying to do it for like the tv audience but you're in a stadium that isn't 100 percent full because nobody's on like on the field um the only thing i wish is like i kind of wish like their mics were a little bit louder and like the background music wasn't so blown out so you could actually hear them like rap other than that i thought it was pretty good what are you giggling at alex <laughs> blown um, out <laughs> a child um yeah i was a little i reacted a little harsh i said it was cheeks in the chat i don't think it was cheeks i just i was getting Super upset drama I was letting people on Twitter trigger me because they kept saying it's the I saw like at least 10 say this is the best halftime show ever. And I'm like, am I just remembering old ones wrong? Well, I had like I didn't have to work in the morning the next day. So I did some deep diving on uh, some halftime shows and I found five within the last couple of years that were all better than that because I rewatched them and like skipped to, through them a little bit. I didn't just sit there and watch all of them. But Bruno Mars's was better. Katy Perry's was better. Coldplay's was even better. And Shakira and J-Lo was phenomenal. So I'd say all four of those were better. So I'm going to pump the brakes on the, uh, this was the best one of all time train. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't like incredible. It was pretty and good. I had, a, I had a question for you guys. Who would you guys want to sing at the halftime show? Like if you had to pick next year's, is there any candidates that come to your mind that you think would be really good? I had one that came to my mind, which spawned the question for me. I was like, Ooh, that guy would absolutely crush halftime show. I'm so bad at music, like, my input and my opinions are so trash that, like, whatever I say, there's, like... Evan says Jason Aldean in Texas. I mean, imagine dragons. Oh, I don't hate that. I like good bands. Like, if a band can perform good. I think uh, Post Malone would crush a halftime show because he's so versatile. That could be good. He could slow it down. I just don't feel like he'd move much. Maybe he definitely. I tried to go with someone with lots of fireworks. Imagine Dragons seemed like they they bring out all no the... fireworks inside football stadiums because as soon as you come back from halftime, it's all foggy. You can't see the field. I'm out. I want I want artillery during the halftime show. <laughs> uh, another funny angle. It just made me giggle to myself when I was watching it. It was funny to me to picture thousands of testosterone-filled men cursing out Billie Ugh. Jean King for her uh, coin toss flip because, you know, everyone bets on the coin toss and she's just out there all frail flipping the coin. I could just see people mother-effing Billie Jean King in their TV to start the Super Bowl. And I was like, oh, that's poor her. She doesn't deserve that. And then my other one was um, the the QR code commercial. Did it, either of you guys scan it? Um, uh, Someone in the room I did. I personally did not, I but did two not. or three people did. I saw a I tweet sat- that it was like I don't know if it was in the hundreds, but it was it, there was an eight in the number, but then it jumped up to the number two most downloaded or researched app in the app store after that commercial aired. I believe wow. it. I mean, I, that was the point. 
I laid there and didn't do anything until like the last possible second, I think before, because it was such a long commercial. It felt so much longer than like 30 seconds. And I was like, how long is this going to be there? And then the FOMO, it worked. I was like, I need to see what this is. And I was like, oh, it's crypto.com that I just like backed out. But I was like, I can't not know what this QR code leads to. It was incredible. I was like, that was you genius. should have seen the room erupt when the... <laughs> <laughs> the square perfectly hit the top right corner because someone had predicted it will end right when it hits perfectly and everyone just like jumped for joy and screamed when it did that it was hilarious oh that's funny um my last thing is it i felt good no matter what happened in the game waking up the next day and realizing i'm not vernon hargraves aka the flip-flop dude who ran oh on the field and got God. a 15 yarder that's who it was i never got the name from him but that's who it was what? Yeah. It- Evan, we talked about it. Yeah, I, can't I know believe we talked about it, but I never knew who we the talked about. How he was the top ten pick. I cannot believe he did that. I thought somebody I, I, randomly just brought him up, and I just said, "Yes, he went to Florida." No, I mean that was one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen in sports. What? Dude, I can't. What was he thinking? I don't know. He was in the end zone, the middle, doing the gritty. I like, he ran that. through the whole end zone. If I'm a coach, I, his position coach or Zach Taylor, I am telling him, "Dude, go sit in the locker room for the rest of the game." Dude, he just cost us 15 yards. And it was big momentum because it was the yes. end of the half. They had like two minutes. They would have got the ball in the 20. So you had to start on the 10. 10. And they got a first down. So they would have been close to midfield if that didn't happen, if they were in the normal spot. Like I just cannot believe he thought to leave the bench in flip-flops with a towel and just start doing the gritty next to Jesse Bates. Not like, even active. doing? Dumbest I've ever seen. <laughs> it was mind-blowing. Like, how can you be that dumb? You, you know you're not wearing pads. You're very aware that you can't just run on the field. Yeah. It's like a streaker on the bench. Oh, disgusting. All right. Well, that that's a good that was a good energy to end that. Um should we hop to college basketball? Sure. Little Mich- Michigan State. Evan saying sure is about the, what you could pr- predict. I want to open up before we get into any of your thoughts on the various games of the week. I guess we should set the table there. I tried to make a little chart here cuz we're I had PTSD to last year when our teams would play like five games a week and we have to keep track of it all. <laughs> but uh, since we last recorded, Michigan State lost 70 to 62 at home versus Wisconsin, 176 61 versus Indiana at the Riviera Cafe, and then lost just last night 62 58 at Penn State. And the remaining upcoming games this week is versus Big Ten leader Illinois at home. Saturday at noon, Evan will be there. I feel. Maybe confident saying that unless he's given up but my question to you guys before we get into any of your thoughts on the week is a panic meter a panic meter rating and the panic meter is titled um panic level worry one through ten ten being most panic one being not panicked at all chilling that michigan state doesn't get out of the first weekend of the tournament the ncaa tournament uh i would just like to start with saying Panic is not the right word for me because after yesterday's loss, I'm so angry and disappointed that I'm no longer expecting them to do anything. But to answer your question, if I have to answer a panic level, will they get out of the first weekend? Right now, it's like they are not making it out of the first weekend. So it's a they can't so put if you, two games together. No, if you were not still su- if you were still super invested, it's a ten, nine, fine. I don't want to be crazy, but nine. They, they can't. They haven't won two games in a row in two months. In just last week, when I said that both our schools were not elite eight teams, you pushed back hard against me and said your team sucks, Grant. My team's elite. Your team still does suck. 
<laughs> a ten dollar. They're whole. They're whole. You f- well five hundred. You fully. You fully. I said nine. But yeah, no, I don't expect them. They. I thought by this point they would know how to win two games in a row, and they can't do it. So why would I expect them to do it in March against better teams? Wow, Evan, your level. Uh, a solid seven. Um, like we always say on this podcast, it's always about the draw, but um, the seeding that we potentially are going to get, I'm guessing six, seven, eight, or nine seed. So if you're doing eight or nine seed, your second game is going to be against a one, seven seed. An absolute loss. Um, so the best luck you have is hopefully you're somehow you're a six seed, but right now we're a six in the Big Ten, so that kind of doesn't correlate. Um, so a six seed, you know, you're just praying for upsets. Maybe a three seed, a bad three seed somehow gets in there. Uh, and now there's the rumor going around that we might not even make the tournament with our record and our resume. So I would say a solid Who seven. Who said that? What? Who the f- Checked the receipts that. after last night that there's. They said there's a good chance Michigan State doesn't is a bubble team now. No, oh, for that's not God true. Sakes. You guys are still like top twenty five in every major category ranking. That is, that's like that's come ridiculous. On. I'm not saying that I said it. I'm just going. You off can't of what drop from a four or five seed to bubble because you lost Who? one game. The Jake Marsh from. Barstool bench mob say that. No, yeah, stupid. They, I think um, excuse my f bomb. No, you won't be well, yeah, he says some dumb things. Sorry, Matt, <laughs> you're not going on the podcast. Um, all right, I'll open the floor to you. Is there anything you guys need to get off your chest negatively, or you can even go positively to try to get the mood up? Just of anything you saw yes. this week from Michigan State, <laughs> Alex. I had like a I took like a thirty minute shower this morning just thinking about Michigan State basketball and all so and how hot. easy it is to guard them. It's just so disappointing. Oh. And I don't want to go on because my rant was like, you know, 30 minutes long, so I'm not going to do that. But the the basis of it is you just trail Max Christie. He can't go inside. He doesn't take it to the paint strong. So he if you get in his face, he doesn't shoot it that well lately. Gabe Brown can't do anything. He is a terrible ball handler, so he's not going to create his own shot. So you just tail him, get a hand in his face, he'll probably miss. So there you go. There's your two wing players are already out. Tyson Walker is a head case, so you never know when he's going to be good. He showed a lot of potential last night. I'm not going to bank on it. Mid-range God. All you have to do to A.J. Hogarth is speed him up. We see what happens when he gets sped up and he turns the ball over 20 times. And then Marcus Bingham put a, put a body into him. He will get pushed six feet away, and if he makes a 12-foot hook shot, then good for him, but that's not going to happen every time. And then uh, Joey Hauser, you know, I have already said my thoughts on him, so what is he going to do in the starting lineup to really impact the game scoring-wise? Not much. So if they don't run in transition, which is the only thing they really do well offensively, they're going to lose games and be inconsistent, which is exactly what we see the last month and a half. That's it. It's very disappointing. I thought, I thought that was pretty succinct. I think you did a great job there. Thank you. Um, you know, you're breaking down like what the problems are or whatnot, but like each game there's like a couple of different problems, but I think the biggest two ones we talked about obviously turnovers. Um that results around point guard play. Um, but rebounding. Um mm-hmm. that was yeah. gonna be my next point. The the dirty word, the board it's battle. Just, it's just the effort thing. It is, and you look at it, is it sometimes Marble's fault? Yes. Is it sometimes Bingham's fault? Yes. But it's also those other four to three players on the court that 
either ball watching or already trying to get out and run at some point you just got to give up on running in transition because you can't get a defensive rebounding um and so i say rebounding especially last game was just horrendous to now you're you're fighting against a weaker opponent who only has one big guy and most of the guys on the court shouldn't even be playing in the big 10 um, you made that big guy look like Shaquille O'Neal last night. John yes. Harar, legend. Um, Beefy. It's the minutes and the, it's just the inconsistent play. And I saw a thing where there was only like three or four players on Michigan State team that had a plus ranking. Uh, Chrissy's had a negative ranking or a minus ranking seven the last eight games. I think it was. So the trend's not going forward, and if you're not getting solid point guard play, I don't think this team can go far because not that many guys can generate shots by themselves. And then, yeah, I would say that. I'm going to leave it at that because I don't really need to get down into the personal stuff between players. I think some players need <laughs> – I think some people need to shoot the ball more. I think there was a lot of shots when we went on a yes, dry spell. I was going to say that. For like I was saying six that. minutes in the first half where we didn't score – but they no alpha dogs on this team. No one let it fly. Passing up shots. Yeah. Even Malik Hollivan, our guy. Yes. Not shooting the ball. Just pump fake, dribble. Anytime he puts it on the floor, I swear to God, At it's, some it's getting taken from Pump him. fake and dribble. And I know the t- Mission State Twitter is up in arms about us taking long twos. But if you pump fake, make a nice move, guy goes flying by at the three point line and shoot a 15 foot jumper wide open, I think it's a quality shot. I love mid-range jumpers. I'll say it. But when you take the pump fake, take a dribble, and then you have a wide open shot and you just pass it out, why? Why are we doing that? People forget that the first option in the triple threat is shoot. I think they just need to remember that. And we can't turn the ball over if we're actually shooting the ball. Does Izzo have a a red light on every single player on the team? That's my dad's actually most repeated phrase in basketball. Like If you're going to have turnovers, you might as well put up crappy shots. At least they have a chance to go in. Your turnovers don't. I'll run through quickly to not take too long. The unbiased outside view um, observer of this team. Um, when it comes to panic alarm, Wisconsin game, that's not that bad of a loss. I kind of wrote that off. You know, like you're probably going to split with them. You already won on the road. They're a really good basketball team. They have Johnny Davis, who's incredible. Uh, there was some frustrating things when I was watching just for your guys' sake where they kept double teaming jo- Johnny Davis in the post and then he'd like just pass it over someone's head for a wide open layup. I thought they'd adjust from that at some point. They didn't. So that was annoying. But that just came down to like you guys missed a couple shots here and there. And like I said, they have Johnny Davis to close out games, something that Michigan State has been missing sometimes. The Indiana game All was fine. Time. I know uh, Malik Hall sometimes steps up in big time moments. But the Indiana game, I know like we tend to focus on the negative, so I don't want to just brush by that. That was a really good performance to get back on track against a desperate Indiana team because they're fighting for their life to kind of stay relevant. So that was a good home win, and they pulled away in the second half. And the lineup switch, credit to Tom for doing the lineup switch, it sparked them for at least one game. And then I think, obviously, the Penn State one is the frustrating one. And a lot of teams struggle on the road at Penn State. Not as much as the rack, but still There's Penn State is people there. weird. 20 they put the curtain down and everything is weird i think the more alarming part was two things i looked at one penn state out rebounded michigan state and then you look at the three-point shooting in a like what a, a couple point game a four-point game gay brown's one of five from three and max christie's oh of four from three i mean you just can't have those kind of numbers from your two wing starters so that hurts they make each guy makes one more three you win the game essentially and it just it was alarming that like penn state just shot the ball more efficiently than you guys and that's just like Penn State doesn't shoot the ball well. 
and I know Michigan State can be gritty and win games tough, but like at some point you still have more skilled shooters than them. So like it just has to come to fruition. And my last point, my head scratching point, which I will never understand, and hopefully it changes for your guys' sake, is I do not I cannot for the life of me sit down, look at your guys' team and comprehend how Malik Hall is playing sub twenty five minutes per game. It drives me f- insane to just watch as an outside observer i don't get how that kid has not earned 25 minutes per game and if it's some internal conversation where he's not comfortable with starting and playing that load then i'd have to rethink it but i have to imagine that kid wants to be playing as much as possible if he could i don't know i don't know sometimes with his own you you don't know ben carter played over jaron jackson against syracuse i don't know i don't have an answer for that Evan, you popped your fingers up. Was that something sparking in your brain? Eh, not really. It just... You look at the players that need to shoot the ball more because we're, we're desperate for field goal percentage and, like, teams... Like, Malik needs to generate more shots. Now um, he's getting doubled as well, so... He needs to generate more shots from the perimeter. I'm not saying back him down in the post. I think the rest of the Big Ten knows his move now. Um, Fade away. Correct. Uh, and I think the other two guys, I mean, you're, you're going to hate one of them, but I think Joey needs to shoot the ball more. Um, and then, When he's open, he doesn't. He does the same garbage little box shot and then doesn't shoot it. I don't understand it. And then Tyson Walker needs to shoot more. Agreed. And you just start, I'm not saying forcing up shots, but just shooting the ball more. Tyson Walker, three-point field goal percentage, he's 53% on the year. Yeah. So yeah, I'll have one other thing. Way, even if it comes all the way down to 37% with a lot more volume, that's still beneficial to the team. Yeah. I have one last baby thing. Um, mm-hmm. I understand Julius Marble offensively. MSU Twitter is a good player, and he's got that hook shot dialed in. But if you really watch his defense against Penn State yesterday, he statistically fouls the most in the entire Big Ten, and he's one of the worst post defenders in the Big Ten. And everyone be like, oh, but did you see that block? Yes, I saw the block. Did you see him get torched down the end of the game and be a part of the reason why we couldn't do anything defensively? So that's why he doesn't play more. He, he can't play defense. Straight that's from it. Coach Hillen himself. That's it. Good offensive player, though. All right, boys. Let's hop into some Michigan hoops here before we get to our anticipated interview. Um, I'll try to fly through this recap pretty quickly. I wrote some notes from this team. It was a busy week for them. They played four games in seven days. Luckily, one, the Purdue one, the away one we already talked about. So they start off with our familiar foe, Penn State. It was a disgusting game overall. Uh, it was a waste of time in my life. But they got a necessary road win, uh, and they won with an effective field goal percentage, which is factors in twos and threes, and what they're weighted of 36%, which is incredibly disgusting. Won a, managed to win a game with 36%, and the theme here we'll see is their rebounding has really kicked up. They out-rebounded Penn State 37-25 to 25 and had 13 offensive rebounds and got to the line 27 times. So... The, finally, the lineup of Dickinson and Diabite has paid off where they're just snatching boards and extending possessions, which has been helping for them. So they got that win. And then Purdue, my goodness, best game of the season thus far. When you thought about Michigan basketball to start this year and the expectations and the pressure, that's what you anticipated when you watched the team. Even more so, because like, I do not think they'd beat Purdue by more than 20 points, even though it was at home. They showed the full arsenal of what they could be. 
Dickinson being able to shoot from the outside is unlocking the offense in ways that wasn't there earlier in the year. So that's good to see. They out-rebounded Purdue 32-22. to Now, Zach Eady was in foul trouble for a bit. 11 more offensive rebounds. And then their effective field goal percentage in this game, 61%. So it just shows you the, the ebbs and flows of the college basketball season where you go from 36 to 61 as a team in one game. And then we get to Ohio State where we linger on the negative. But we can't put away the the the, the positive because they had to win two out of three games this week. That was the goal, to keep on pace for making the tournament. And they did that. Ohio State play the excuse cards all we want the, the excuses would be it was their fourth game in seven days dickinson has this nagging leg injury he's battling through he, he, he didn't warm up versus purdue and ohio state just saved himself for uh the, the games and my one little chirp for ohio state fans is obviously with this game ryan day had a place to call to chris had a place to call to chris holtman and beg for him to put some respect back on the university's name so ohio state was very desperate for a win against michigan um they didn't really play that. It kind of reminded me of, like I said, with the Michigan State-Wisconsin game. Like, it wasn't the end-of-the-world loss. Ohio State, man. I just want EJ Liddell in a Pistons uniform. The kid just made tough shot after tough Such shot. Such a good basketball player. They had multiple players taking us off the dribble ISO. Like, they just made a lot of really tough shots, and Michigan's offense just didn't have enough. I mean, Chris Holtman teams are very disciplined. I watched that at Butler. OSU only had seven turnovers. Michigan did out-rebound them again by five and had nine more offensive rebounds. My only point of um, advice I'd like to see them do is just get Musa Diabite more post touches to take the load off Hunter Dickinson because Musa is absolutely balling in the post right now, um, and it's fun to watch. Now, for the sake of time, I want to play one game for you guys, a little trivia game here. Blind resume season. I cooked up because it's about that time in mid-February. We do blind resumes. We'll do this, and then we'll hop to our interview. Um, so right now, for March Madness, the Big Ten is slated to get seven teams in the tournament as we sit here today, so half the conference. I have Team A, Team B, and Team C. You guys might need to get a notepad or just something to keep track. I'm going to read the numbers off to you guys because obviously it's audio, so the audience, you can follow along too. Um, would you guys like me to read off the factors for each team as just fully Team A, or should I go like by category? Like For example, like Team A is by this category. Okay. So Team A, we're going to start with their Ken Palm ranking. Team A is 47th in Ken Palm. Team B is 38th. Team C is 18th. Now we'll do the net ranking. 45, 36, 19. So those follow a pattern. Now, Q1 wins for Team A. They're 2-6. and I, six. I know where this is going. Okay. Keep going. Do you, well, let's, you want to just reveal what three teams are if you know all three? Keep going. I have no idea. Keep going. Q, Q1, two and six. Team B, two and six, Q1. Team C, the high-rated team, 0 oh and 5 in Q1. Have not won a Q1 game. Okay. Mm-hmm. Q2. Team A, two and three. Team B, three and three. Team C, five and two. They kind of make up there with their Q2. And then the only team of the three that has a Q3 loss is Team B, the team in the middle. The other two are 4-1, and one, and then everyone is undefeated against Q4 teams. Now, Team A and Team C have played eight Q4 teams, and Team B has played four, which is the last point. We got non-conference schedule toughness, 328 toughest Team A, so easiest, essentially. Team B played the 22nd toughest non-conference schedule. And then Team C played 327th. So A and C have really easy non-conference schedules. B had 22nd toughest. And those are kind of 
the numbers there. I was going to ask you guys if three of those team, three of the teams, two of the teams of the three can make the NCAA tournament. Which two would you pick to get in at this point? There's BNC. a lot of numbers. I know. Yeah, I'm BNC. trying to process, but I think I think I landed on B and C. C is definitely in for me. I wish you would have gave us their records overall. I guess you matter. did, but you broke it down in quad yeah. one through four. Team so C, the only, bug- the only bugaboo team C has is the quad ones, but their rankings in the Oh, and five the in the quad one, but five and two in quad two. Yeah. And so against quad one Ken and Palmen two. Net. They're five and seven. I'm guessing that team hasn't played like the meat of their schedule yet, or they're a non-power five team. Um, These are all Big Ten teams. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um, what was quad one for A? Two and six, and team B is two and six as well. Um, C's zero and five, but five and two in quad two. Who's got the best win? That's what I'm picking. Um, A and B have the same best win. Oh my well, god! No, B has the best win. Then if can I guess off the that. teams? Not A, B, and C, but can I just guess two of the teams that I think? Are in this? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Iowa. Yep, they're in it. They're they're Team C. They're Team C. They have oh, that feels good to get that right. Their own. They haven't beat a quad one team. And they're a number seven C in the NCAA tournament right now. Mm-hmm. And then, which is disgusting. Michigan is A. Michigan is B. Oh. Two and six. 22nd toughest non-conference schedule in the country. Uh, you played North Carolina at Seton Hall. Arizona. Oh, I forgot you did that. Arizona's actually really good. So. Some absolute so dogs. Not a bad loss. Team. team A is the Indiana Hoosiers. And oh, the reason yeah. I brought this up, and obviously this will play out. This may not matter. Michigan gets two games with Iowa. They already beat Indiana. But it just it's really pissing me off right now that Michigan is this next four out team. And Indiana's a nine seed. And Iowa's a seven team. Seven seed. And I know Michigan's better than Indiana for a fact. We'll see what happens with Iowa. Like, we have the chance to prove that against Iowa, playing them twice on the stretch. But it's really pissing me off. The Indiana and Iowa are sitting comfy in the tournament, and Michigan's just looking on the outside in when their resume is better than Indiana's and not that far off of Iowa's because they've actually beat two quad one teams. Iowa's resume is pretty terrible. Disgusting, Alex. You go look at who they've beaten this year, you'll laugh. They just beat teams. 100 points, though, so it's exciting. They do. They beat Merrimick College in New York by like 106. They scored 100 against Nebraska and Maryland the last two games. Yeah. I'm not saying... Adds to, adds to my point. That's crazy, but I mean, I don't see other Big Ten teams scoring 100 points. But you still we'll see. We'll see on Thursday. If you get blown out and they score 100 points, then I think we know yeah. our, our answer. Well, they get to play them at home still, but I'm just saying it's really, it's really, really making me mad how the discussion is just like Michigan has to stay on the next four out when I'm looking at the two other. I'm just comparing the Big Ten teams. and I can safely tell you as a bubble guy last year that it's you ridiculous. don't need to start sweating until there's two weeks left. I just want some respect. Win games and you'll be in. It's pretty simple. Oh, you think? <laughs> yeah, so no, no reason to worry. All right, that wraps up basically college basketball talk. Then we'll get this interview set up. So join us tonight, a special guest, one that if you're on Twitter and you're active on Twitter, you know who he is, the man behind the anonymous account, 
I think it's close to 10,000 followers now. That's going to be a sweet milestone. That's going to be probably coming here shortly. Uh, but joining us tonight, without further ado, is the MSU Chief of Propaganda at Odell Bredham Jr. Go follow him now to get that follower count up. Um, but welcome, Chief. How's it going? Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, that's a great introduction. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm doing excellent. Uh, just bouncing back from that MSU game last night. So, almost at 24 hours now. So, still sulking a little bit, but we'll, we'll try to bounce back. Yeah. Do you have any, that just leads in, just, I didn't have it written down, but do you have any bounce back strategies, any coping? Because every fan has their coping mechanisms when they suffer a terrible loss. Do you have any that you like to go to? Um, yeah. Uh, usually I just try to like, embrace how much it sucks to lose uh it, I mean, it's just not fun but i mean you just got to kind of live in the moment that just makes kind of the next game uh either really joyous or just kind of <laughs> sucks again but yeah i would just say i kind of rewatch the highlights of the game see what went wrong and then i just kind of read through my mentions as well as some other tweets and just get a good laugh out of those yeah um speaking of like last night's game how hard is it to be positive on Twitter for the fan base, even though probably deep down inside you're uh, you're not feeling too good about it either? That's a really good question. Uh, it's probably the toughest thing I have to do in my entire life is be positive after a loss. <laughs> so, I mean, that's both testament to my life's going pretty good. But, yeah, it's, it's really hard to just tell people to relax when you have the team blow a 14-point lead to an empty stadium against Penn state and basketball. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Tough. Uh, let's walk it back for one second here, just in case anyone's like, all right, they're, they're diving into it, but, but who exactly is this guy outside the introduction? And I'm genuinely curious because the backstory of us was we're just three, three high school friends who've grown up forever. Uh, Evan and Alex are Michigan state fans and I'm the resident Michigan fan. So natural kind of, just differing opinions there and all Detroit fans. So we started this podcast about a year ago now. And with that, the Twitter account, and we kind of dove into the Michigan Pistons, Michigan state Lions Twitter. And that's when we stumbled upon your account. So we don't have much of a background for you kind of before a year ago, but we were fascinated. What is the origin story behind this account? Like really, how did it begin and, and what set the wheels in motion for this? Yeah, so this is actually my second Twitter account. I had one, I want to say from like 2011 to 2014. And that was just like a whole different type of account. I was just tweeting like crazy stuff. But um, yeah, so this one, I, I created it back in early 2016 because Kanye was dropping the life of Pablo and he was going on his tweet storms, kind of like what he's doing on Instagram right now. And I didn't have an account. So I just created it to follow Kanye and just retweet him. And I had, I was stuck at like 100 followers for like, three years basically just doing that and then i would say probably i turned into like more of an msu account uh back in february 2020 when they brought mel tucker on as the head coach that's kind of when i got introduced to msu twitter and then from there it just kind of been um turning into a, a flat-out propaganda account and there's probably you probably have your own personal moment when it like flipped or it hit you how big this was getting from for me from watching it from afar I, it has to be, and I want to take some time on this because this is probably like the light bulb moment for me when I realized like the brilliance of the account was the Miami Hurricanes game. We, the three of us went to that with some friends. It was a great experience. And obviously we know from coach Tucker, he came up, he 
said the phrase deep water out loud. So it gave the fan base that clip to run with. But I'm pretty confident in saying that you invented the phrase and the terminology of puddle program and puddle behavior and puddle people. Is it fair to say you came up with that? Because I think I'm, you're the first person I, I've seen say that post the deep water comment. Yes, I did. I did come up with that. <laughs> and now you just see it everywhere. And I believe, you know, even I remember seeing you post the graphic of the different layers of deep water and the Mariana Trench. And those <laughs> are just, I mean, it's crazy how much that phrasing has like spread throughout the Michigan State fan base. But if it wasn't that moment, was there any other like light bulb moments you had where like you're like, wow, this is really catching on more than I even anticipated? Yeah, I would say probably that Miami week. That was that was probably a big week. And then probably the second one is when probably the Nebraska week. Um, when Kaiten Hauser tweeted out, like he tweeted me, he's like, Where are you at? And I met up with him and took took that picture and tweeted it out then. Probably from there I got a bunch of people on the staff, a bunch of the players, recruits, they started following me. So that's, I would say that's probably like the biggest increase, like daily increase of interactions as well as kind of followers. Going off of that, of you're talking about the uh, staff members and players kind of follow you. Would you say most popular, I would say, uh, person to follow you as of right now? Coach Tucker. Coach Tucker with oh, wow. a follow. That's a nice one. <laughs> yeah. That, that yeah. is a big time follow. That's nice to have in the bag. <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was, uh, yeah, I didn't really expect that because I was just kind of going through and, uh, cause you, you get some followers and you don't necessarily always check, but, and a lot of people use his different, his, his actual like Twitter picture. So, I mean, you'll get like people that follow you all the time with his picture. So you never think anything of it, but yeah, I, I just was going through my notifications and I saw like the blue check mark there. Like, oh my God. So I thought it was an accident. So I didn't tell anybody at first. But then, like, I gave it a week, and then he's still following me. So I'm like, all right, <laughs> he must have um, not done it on accident. So, yeah, he follows me. Uh, Michigan State's athletic director, Alan Haller, he followed me. Um, then another cool one is uh, Eric Thomas, the motivational speaker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, he followed me, too. So that, that was I was pretty pumped about that. I used to play his stuff so, for us in high school all the time. I remember him. Yes. Oh, he, he got me amped up. He's one of the reasons I was able to get, get through college, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so with all these staff members you know the athletic director of michigan state following you how long until you're on staff when, when are you going to be on this staff you know what i've actually i've been asked that question by friends before but the thing is i would love i would work for michigan state in a heartbeat but what i do now i wouldn't be able to do if i was employed by the university because everything i do is in ncaa violation so i would be <laughs> either i would have to completely <laughs> rebrand what i do or I would just be literally just a walking NCAA violation. Yeah, that makes sense. That ties perfectly into two. I was thinking, because obviously you have the freedom to kind of, one, one of your, they're not probably the most popular ones, but more ones that I just respect the most. And I think we've laughed at just as, as friends, seeing like when you just, you know, wake up pretty early in the day and just, Hey, I hope this recruit has a great, fantastic day. And I'm, I was just thinking, like, do you, do you think deep down, is there any, even if it's the smallest percentage that you've influenced a high school recruit to choose Michigan State based on, like, the encouragement you're able to rile up for the fan base? Yeah, so I, I, I didn't really think so, but I was, somebody did tell me that recruits will be on visits and, like, they'll, they'll ask the staff about me. They're like, oh, so is Odell here? Does Odell work for the team? Like, and, like, their parents will ask about me. So... I think that that's pretty cool. I don't know if it like influences, but I know like when I'm able to retweet out a kid's like 
offer, just tweet out. I hope you have a good day. I know those get pretty good interactions with just people like tweeting them Mel Tucker gifts and MSU stuff. So yeah, I always have fun with that, but yeah, it's funny. I kind of, I, I don't want to say I stole the idea for that, but when we were in a recruiting battle against Florida state back over the summer, this person tweeted out, like, uh, I hope Nico Markiel, uh, thank you. Thanking the heavens for Nico Markiel being a Florida state Seminole. So when we tried to flip him, I stole that from that account and like, I tagged him in it and Nico like retweeted it. So I'm like, Oh, this is, this is just funny. Like players are actually like reading this like crazy shit I'm saying. So yeah, I thought, I thought that was pretty funny. You touched on last year's football season, some of the moments, but um, besides the two you mentioned, did you have a single singular favorite memory from that historic football season could be as specific or as big picture as you want to go with it? Yeah, Grant, you might want to take out your uh, headphones for this <laughs> yeah, one. But newer that yeah, I mean, I was, yeah I would, definitely it's got to be the Michigan game. I think just kind of being in the woodshed for that one. It was just, I mean, the whole like day, I don't know if you guys were in uh, uh, EL for that, but I mean, the whole day was just so much fun with the three different big shows. You had Barstool there, you had ESPN, you had the big noon kickoff. So it was just, the campus was electric the whole, the whole day. And then that game, it just, I mean, it was, I mean, it was a classic regardless of kind of, I'm just glad we came out on top, but I mean, it, it worked out for you guys as well. So um, yeah, I think just kind of that game and the minute that, Charles Brantley came down with the interception. The place just erupted and it was just a giant party. And yeah, it was just that that would probably be that's the easy answer, but it's gotta be kind of the one I go with. Yeah. And going off of that game, um, speaking of Michigan, is there any player you dislike the most, past or present, and any player that you kind of respect the most of any Ooh. interactions you've had? Yeah. So, okay. Um, well, I'm blocked by a few of their former players like Rashawn Gary. Um, <laughs> I, cause I, he, cause he, when he, when he left Michigan, I tweeted him cause was, he came out with this, like this logo and it had an arrow in it. That's like pointing down. So I tweeted him. I'm like, is it pointing down? Cause your draft stock sucks. Cause you're like Wonderluck. <laughs> and I just got automatically blocked by him. So um, yeah, we, yeah, that instant block. So uh, yeah, Rashawn and I, we we have some we have some work to do. But I would say the one player. Uh, oh man, <laughs> there's a list. But if I had to choose one, I actually despise. It's got to be Taylor Lewan. Like I could mm. tweet about Taylor Lewan right now, and it just people love that. Like yep. I tweeted something like really bad about him once, and people loved it. So, but um, in terms of somebody I respect, I think Tom Brady's too easy of an answer because I mean he wasn't. I don't remember him playing at Michigan, but. It's got to be a current player. I really did like Trey Burke. I thought he was, he was amazing. Like he's one of those dudes that he, he was born to be like just a star. And I wish he could have done it at MSU. But yeah, I think he was just such a likable dude. And even kind of that, that Michigan team, it, it, it was really difficult to hate some of those guys. I'm like, you get some other guys that you don't necessarily like, like Ross Dacus, where it's just easy to dislike the guy, but. Yeah, that I, I would say Trey Burke. I've always I wanted the Pistons to draft him, so yeah, I've I've always kind of had a rooting interest for him. Uh, kind of going off that, you said you know you've tweeted some some pretty harsh things towards players and other people. How much of what you tweet do you actually believe, or do you just do it for the effect? How much is real and how much is fake? I would say it's all a hundred percent real in a way. I sometimes I twist the reality. But I, I believe kind of the general message of it. Like, I do really believe that Michigan State's going to win uh, a title in the next few years here. Um, I do think that the recruiting 
class upcoming is going to have the chance to be top 10. Like, um, I know I tweeted last year, we're going to be heading into the, the U of M game eight and or seven and oh, and that happens. So yeah, I, I mean, some of the stuff it, it, it come, it's a little, like, I would say it's probably a little dramatic, but that that's kind of the fun of it. But overall, yeah, I mean, I, I still do believe Michigan state's going to be one of the top programs in the nation. This one, uh, that was going to be my question. Do you actually think we'll win a national championship? So yes, you do. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, and I think I put the timeline. I think I put it, I tweeted it last year that they're going to, I have it. My friend actually printed it out and framed it for me, but um, that was my Christmas gift from him. So I look at that first, first thing in the morning, but um, yeah, I think, I think I put the timeline at five years and I still think that's attainable. I mean, you look at Georgia for an example, like they've always been a really good program, but they haven't won in, 40 plus years, you look at Clemson, I mean, really just takes that one team and you, you kind of build off that success. It definitely would not be stunned. I think as many as many as Michigan fans want might want to ignore reality or twist their own reality that Mel Tucker is not going to be a problem for many, many years to come. Like I fully accepted that like early on, I was like, okay, well, this guy is legit. I think I felt it in the Miami game when we went down there, just like the tuck coming chance that early in the season, I was like, this guy is different and this is going to be a problem for many years to come. Yeah. And I think that game was absolutely just massive for kind of how it set the tone for the season. Cause I think going to Northwestern, that game was, I mean, it was a lot of fun, but it's also a bad Northwestern team. So you got to keep that in mind. And we came home and played Youngstown state. I mean, come on, that's, that was an easy dub. So yeah, going down to Florida and not really knowing what this team was made of and kind of having Thorne lead the way. I mean, defense made some plays and I, I mean, I wasn't there, but it seemed like the crowd was almost mostly Michigan state fans. So yeah, I think that that kind of uh, springboarded them to be a really good team. Mm -hmm. uh, my next one is completely 180 of more of the weeds of how this account works. Cause I know like with ours trading this one where, you know, the podcast one doesn't have any of our faces behind it and just the strategy of how you want to grow it and what uh what strategies we need to have for for posting stuff and also following along with you know people in the communities what is like your general process to keep up i think one of the you know the way we were it was like there's a pressure now in a sense to your account i don't know if you feel it but you know you get you, you rise like this in a community like what is the met method chief's method to keep up with tweets like your finger on the pulse because not you know not to go on a little side tangent but i just know like in my head when something like uh, the perfect example was when it was late at night and we found out that michigan was not gonna be playing michigan state that game got canceled the first the first time around i was like i know like i instinctively was like oh i wonder what the chief of propaganda has to say about this and sure enough like you're on it like those things that like it's a 24-hour kind of gig even though you know it's just a people could say oh it's just a twitter account i'm just curious a long-winded question of like how does your process work for keeping up with all this yeah i mean it's it's kind of it kind of differs and changes as time goes on i know with things like that the michigan game you mentioned like i did i mean we do have like different group dms with msu accounts so people share information there so i i had an inkling that i heard that there was some uh, covid issues going on because obviously they they had a couple people out for the game prior so but it came out like Friday afternoon, somebody like tweeted out uh, the duck emoji and people started DMing that account saying, okay, like, what do you actually know? And he said, yeah, it looks like Dickinson just got COVID and the game's not going to happen. So I had an idea it was going to get canceled. I didn't think it was going to happen at like midnight or whenever it happened, but 
Yeah, I mean, in terms of just kind of keeping up, it's like just trying to, I mean, I, I, I do have a full-time job, but I always have like my phone on me. If somebody needs to get a hold of me, it's kind of there. Um, I work from home, so I got my laptop up with Twitter up. So yeah, I mean, I and if a commit's happening, I usually have a pretty good idea of when it's going to happen, just based off of people telling me or a recruit kind of letting me know like, hey, I'm I'm coming home like this time or whatever. So I, and I would say a lot of it's also luck. Like, I mean, you just got to be on because you're not going to be on your phone the whole time. So it's really just kind of checking at the right times and just getting lucky. Like, I, I guess that's it, and that's not really the best answer to say you got to get lucky. But I think kind of once you're you tweet enough and are kind of in tune with the timeline of how things happen, you kind of get a sense of when news is going to break. Mm. But yeah, I'd say there is I mean, sometimes there is pressure in terms of like, especially around signing day. Cause that was like, we were going after Keontae Goodwin. who's like a top 10 kid. And I mean, he was on his official the week before. So, I mean, and it was like, you'd get DMS all the time saying, okay, he's about to flip. He's about to flip. And you just keep waiting for it. Didn't happen. So, and yeah, that was like, I called it like double XP week with for signing day. Cause every tweet that you sent out, like it was going to get double the interaction. So it was kind of like a, a treated like call of duty that week. And then speaking of recruiting, um, it sounds like you're kind of in the know more. Um, so what 2023 recruit that hasn't committed, do you feel like is a good chance to commit to us? Um, That's a good question. So I think right now, maybe the closest is, I, I really like our chances at Cole Dillinger, who's a, he's a Clarkston offensive lineman. I think he's in a four-star range. I really like our shot there. Um, there's Ryan Yates. He's a safety from Denton, Texas. Just included us in his top seven. Um, I think I think we stand a really good chance there. And then Eno Etta, he's defensive lineman, yeah. DN from uh, Texas as well. So uh, he's been liking a lot of pro MSU stuff. And I know Andrew DePape, he's he tweets at him all the time trying to get him. So yeah, he DePape, he's he's a great recruiter. So um, I would say those are probably the top three right now. Um, but it it I'm, I'm guessing a lot of it's going to ramp up as as a spring game comes around as you get kids back on campus i know kind of in a dead period now so you can't have uh recruits coming in but i know that those d-line spots are going to start going really fast i know that there's especially with brandon jordan there's a lot of hype you're getting five-star kids putting us in their top eight so uh and there's only so many spots so i mean these kids are they're going to start committing so yeah i would say but those those three are probably i would say the closest thing to msu i don't want to call them a lock but i would say that they're heavily leaning towards msu as a Michigan fan, that Brandon Jordan hire hurts like at least once a week when I see anything come on the feed of his impact already. I'm like, gosh, that's such a no-brainer hire that people don't do that only Mel Tucker could think of. Not to give him the we praise him a lot, but that that hire when you mentioned Brandon Jordan, I'm like, yeah, it's gonna open up new doors for the defensive end recruiting there. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny because LSU tried to hire him a few years ago, but they wouldn't let him be a positional coach. They wanted him just to be like an analyst, but he wouldn't be able to do his like his NFL side gig. Cause the other day he, he, cause he has two Twitter accounts now and his main account with like 30,000 followers. He removed the MSU stuff from it. So people were like, Oh my God, did we lose him? Like what's going on? But it turned out he just kind of flipped his account because he's reaching out to his NFL clients. Mm -hmm. So they kind of know like, Oh, I'm still doing NFL stuff. So, but yeah, he has for Sean Gary, he's one of his clients. who's going to be in East Lansing for training this mm -hmm. summer. So I'm hoping yes. to squash the beef with, 
uh, Mr. Gary this summer. I, 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 yeah. So hopefully, hopefully that happens. I've, I've had my fair share of shots at him, but we might be able to bury the hatchet. I think it'd be fun just to go back and forth with him on Twitter, but um, I guess uh, we'll see what Sean's up to with that. That, uh, that leads me into my next question. So you obviously dish out the trolls, you know, constantly. What's the best troll you've ever received from an opposing fan base? Oh, that's a good one. I'm trying to think what first comes to mind. I mean, sometimes there is like, I haven't gotten any good ones recently. But when we were going like the week of the Miami game, we, like that's when we discovered like Miami Twitter. And th- those guys, they they really they were able to give it to us pretty good. So I thought that that was pretty fun. Um, maybe after the Purdue game, people dug up a lot of my tweets. I'm sure somebody got got a good one in there. Um, that was it was not a fun couple hours after that one. And Ohio State, I think when people kind of mentioned like the 56 to seven. That definitely stings because there's legitimately no comeback to that. Like, there's nothing I can say. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter even if it's a Michigan fan that brings it up. It's like, yeah, we did. We did lose fifty-six to seven. I can't say anything. When when you said Keontae Goodwin earlier, that made me think of another storyline that I thought was interesting from your account. If the chief of propaganda was in charge of the Izone, what would he do to ensure it was the rowdiest environment in college basketball? Night in and night out. Booze. Booze. <laughs> I, yeah, I'd, I'd put shooters under everyone's like chair. But other than that, which I'm not sure the legality of, I mean, I I, I think that what they're going to start doing, this, this is a little inside info, but I believe for the next section or next year for the student section uh, for the Izone leaders, they're going to do uh, some sort of test, kind of like Cameron Indoor, where section leaders, they have to take a test of kind of their overall basketball knowledge. Um, I would love to see them do a phone ban. I don't know how that would play. I'm sure some people wouldn't show up, but same time you got to weed out the people who aren't going to be kind of participating. But yeah, I would say booze. Booze is the easy solution. Yeah. I I mean, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if that happened at at some point in the near future. I know like it creates a bunch of wormholes. Like, so I went to Butler University and they sell booze there and it's not it's not the same size school but it's a basketball school you know and not as many not as much of a student section but it's definitely something that's rolled out in a decent amount of universities and i feel like michigan state's been on the forefront of a lot of stuff especially recently so it wouldn't stun me if that happened at some point in the future where you could at least buy it at a game yeah absolutely i think it should be trending that way i mean you look at i mean you got nil going now you've got sports gambling so prevalent i don't see like why we need to ban booze from inside stadium. I mean, everyone's already like tailgating, drinking before. So I mean, it's just an opportunity for the university to make money and for our student section to get uh, as loud as they need to be, which I think they've done a better job recently. But yeah, I, I did take some some good heat for calling out the Izone. They they were not a fan of that. It's good to remind yeah, them, Evan, though, you know. Evan you know, called you out too. Hey, that, Evan's in the Izone, so. Listen, yeah. that's that's what it's for. I cheer when need be, and I, I get the backlash because it is not the same if you watch the old games. So there is a fair point to some Izzo members. Um, I should probably take it less personally because I know it's not about me because I'm actually invested in the game. So You're a nervous watcher, Evan. That's why. I yeah. am a nervous watcher. So the Cobra guy. <laughs> <laughs> a hand up I am. I'm a nervous watcher. and I With this team, I get upset easily, so it's kind of hard to cheer during the down moments. 
Yeah. And I would say to you guys' credit, like obviously with COVID, you guys have the mask mandate, which makes things a lot more difficult because you're like, I mean, you're breathing that mask. It's hot. It's nasty. It's especially you're going to be sweating, jumping up and down. So yeah, it's, it's kind of gross, but, and even this team, like it, they leave a lot to be desired most of the time. I thought the Indiana game, I was at that game last weekend. You guys did a phenomenal job with that. Like obviously the U of M game, I wasn't at that one, but they, that crowd was insane, but yeah, it's, it's tough to get up when you're playing like Maryland or one of these bummy teams on like a Tuesday night at nine, at nine o'clock. My last question is just going to be shifting gears a bit. What's the end goal with the MSU chief of propaganda Twitter account? What, what are you trying to get it to? Or is, is there an end game? You know what? That's, that's a, I really haven't thought about it that much. I mean, I know I've had, I've had people reach out. They've tried to do, get me to do like promos for them, but I mean, I don't really want to monetize the account just because I just kind of do it for fun. It's fun just to kind of log on and talk shit and, you know, just kind of push out, like just kind of say whatever I want. Um, but yeah, I, I think I just want to use it to kind of help the university, especially the sports teams. Um, I know I've, people have told me it helps out the teams. I know people, they like the tweets for whatever reason. I necessarily, I don't necessarily understand kind of why it's popular or why people think it's popular or whatever. It just, it's kind of mind blowing to me. Cause I mean, I've been kind of tweeting this, well, maybe not to this level, but I mean, I've always kind of tweeted similar stuff. It just kind of blew up one day and I'm just kind of here. So yeah, I just, I try to have fun with it. Cause I mean, it, at the end of the day, it is, it is just Twitter. So I don't, I don't have like, with you, with you guys, it's, it's more because you have the podcast. You, I know you guys have made like edits of videos you've sent me and those are awesome. So um, I think potentially kind of expanding more than Twitter. Um, I know we have some things in the works with other MSU accounts. We want to do some video production. We want to do some more game day kind of, uh, uh, you know, putting out some more media and things like that. So uh, just kind of trying to use the platform for whatever good I can. Yeah. And I to like talk it. shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Most importantly. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's fun to, you know, spice up a boring weekday, just get in the mix there on one of the most aggressive internet platforms in the world, you know? <laughs> oh, I love it. That's why I love it. Like sometimes before a meeting, I'll just tweet out something about U of M and I know that their fans are going to pounce on it. So I'll do that. So when I get off my me meeting, I can check my phone and you see all these people that are just angry at this like anonymous little troll account. So, and that that's what it's always been. It's in my friends who like, they know me in real life. They've known me since like elementary school. They'll, they follow me and they'll text me like, what, what are you doing? Like, they're like, you actually like just you, people like follow you now and they listen to your stuff. And cause I, I've always kind of talked like this. Like I've never shot away from like expecting my teams to win championships. And that's kind of my goal for everything is I love winning. I think <laughs> it could be anything. I could be walking next to Evan on the sidewalk or um, going with Grant. We could, whoever could drink a beer faster or Alex, it could be rock, paper, scissors. I, I want to win. So yeah, it's, it, it that's kind of the ultimate goal is just to see Michigan state win. And then I can just like lift off into the clouds. <laughs> I love the picture when you, when you say that too, is just like on your end of getting out of meeting. I love to picture the people in the MSU athletics department, they're higher up, you know, even if it's the AD or coach Tucker, like they get out of their meeting and then they're towards the end of the day of work and they just pop their feet up on their desk. And they're like, oh, I wonder what the chief of prop is throwing up today. Like, I just wonder like how many times they've ever just gone on their feet. Cause they probably don't a lot, but if they ever do, and they're like, ah, that, that's a funny one that he, that he said there. And they just, 
snicker to themselves that there's like a mouthpiece for the university like that um, of the fans. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's been, it's been fun just kind of interacting with fans kind of all over the place. And yeah, like you said, like having the bonus of having like guys like coach Tucker, you have different players. Like when we played Michigan a few weeks ago, I know uh, Jacob Panashok, he tweeted at me, he's like, hope you have a great day chief. And it was a, like a video of a dog pissing on a maize and blue fire hydrant. So like, yeah, that, that, that's, those kind of interactions are fun. Like it's fun, like talking to like the players and whatnot, just talking shit about their upcoming opponents or the game they had and, and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely. I, it's just a lot of fun. And that's like, if I had any advice to whoever's listening and you guys, like whatever you do with your account, just like make it as authentic and genuine as possible. And if you do that long enough, people are going to start to catch on and just have fun with it. Like it, it, it's literally just Twitter. That's, that's what I tell people. It's like, it's just the bird app. So you just go on have fun and who knows what's going to come of it. Like, I mean, if you would have told me a year ago, I would have close to 10,000 followers. I would have probably just laughed at you. I thought my account was going to get like suspended or something for some of the stuff I was saying, but yeah, it's just, it's just fun. Yeah. I think that's a perfect, perfect way to end it with that advice there. Um, so that's all the questions I had. Uh, Evan, Alex, did you have any, any last ones? That was it. All right. So with that, thank you for joining us, Chief. And um, hope you have a great rest of basketball season. And then more importantly, getting revved up for the fall when it gets here inevitably soon. Absolutely. I really appreciate you guys having me on. A lot of fun. If you ever want to have me on again, just feel free to hit me up. And yeah, we'll get this thing going. Definitely. We'll we'll definitely be in touch. All right. So winding down here, post-interview, great interview with the chief of prop, which you'll have probably, you'll have heard by this point. We'll put it somewhere in the middle to spice it up. Cause that's going to be the main attraction. Uh, the trade deadline in the NBA came and went, it was spicy for a variety of reasons. One of the better trade deadlines I can remember, not so much for our team. Um, Marvin Bagley was the only player that came into Detroit. Jeremy Grant is still a piston by that note as well. So the trade recap for anyone that needs it is we gave up Trey Lyles, Josh Jackson, and two future second round picks to the Kings, and we got Marvin Bagley. Uh, any? Do you guys have any thoughts on the Pistons trade deadline? Yes. I thought that was just a yes or no question. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like that though. I like that. Keep me on my toes. All right, Alex, what were those thoughts on the Pistons trade deadline? Uh, it had been murmuring for a few weeks that Marvin Bagley was going to be a Piston. So when I did get the notification that Bagley was a Piston, I wasn't uh, totally shocked. I think Not the trade. Still, I already knew. You know, <laughs> in a basketball <laughs> standpoint, makes sense. We could. Uh, okay. We done yet? <laughs> oh, come on. Grind through adversity. How you make free throws right now? How are you gonna make free throws when the crowd's heckling you? I don't have to shoot them. So I think it makes sense uh, an athletic big to add to the team. Isaiah Stewart, uh, he's a good player, but you know it, you can't just have one center. I mean, you have Olenek, I guess, but bold be a bold he, strategy, Cotton. He's not in the future, so you're taking a guy that was a former number two pick uh, from a terrible franchise organization. And hoping that he can revitalize his career because he definitely has talent. And uh, Troy Weaver likes to uh, to pick guys with talent that just were not reaching their ceiling. So maybe maybe we can make him whole again. Yeah, when you think about it, we grabbed one, Josh Jackson, 
and we let them fly a little bit and then we just ship them back off for another project so it's kind of fun you know we get bored a little bit of your roster and you just kind of flip and dip so uh he's 6 10 22 years old fits the timeline the little phrase people love to say fits the timeline he's an athletic freak with some skill too i watched his first game and it looked solid um now this would be best case scenario assuming there's no injuries but it made me think of odell beckham to the rams in a sense now we're not a contender so don't get that part twisted but what Alex, would you let me finish my point? You always make these crazy phases right when I say something. <laughs> so I bet Odell's, other people will make the same face. Odell's dad was like begging for him to leave Cleveland and made like a highlight tape of like Baker Mayfield not throwing him in a ball. <laughs> the ball. Marvin. Yeah, that is hilarious. Thing about Marvin Bagley. I'd like to think our dads would do the same if we were in a bad spot. <laughs> not mine. Kidding. But uh, <laughs> Marvin Bagley's dad hated the San Sacramento front office and was actively trying to shop him as well. So that aspect ties in and i think like what i'm trying to say is i think marvin bagley might kind of be a headache sometimes to deal with or at least was in sacramento but i do think his like ceiling is could be phenomenal like he could be a really good quality starter for this team when he's 25 to 26 years old and that would be best case now obviously worst case is he's just not the second pick lottery pick out of duke that we all thought he was but just from like watching some highlights and seeing at least in his first game i'm encouraged by the trade and i like it I like it. I 100% agree. I do like it. Um, the little length, the wingspan, as Jay Billis would say, I think it fits well with this team and like the makeup of how this team's been created by Troy Weaver. Um, obviously, he's still young. He's only 22, so you got to give him time. Um, he does fit a little bit. The only thing I'm worried about is his perimeter shooting and spacing on the floor with Cade and Sadiq. Uh, that would be the only real issue. But other than that, Give it time. This team is still three to four solid players away from ever doing anything. So, don't tell Grant that. I mean, I think it's obvious. No, I agree with that. Um, but when you give we up, just when them. you give up nothing and you get some potential in return, I think it's just a, more of a benefit. And then on the flip side of people not leaving, my stance on Jeremy Grant for the five people that care about the Pistons this season is I wouldn't panic yet. I would just panic if they don't deal him. If he's on our starting lineup next year opening night, I'd be a little bit more like what what's the end game here with him? Because uh, I just think now would be a good time to move him because he still has a year left on his deal. And then after that, you may get nothing for him. And I just simply don't see him on the core of the team when we make the playoffs and like can actually contend in a playoff series i could be wrong but as of right now i don't it just seems like he's regressed a little bit this year and i don't know i just don't know that's my only thoughts on that so i wouldn't panic yet a lot of people are like troy weaver what are you doing wake up it's like well let's just relax guys let's just chill it you don't want to re- just like trade him for yeah. nothing like you no can, you and can like be patient it's not like trading him right now helps us really at all either. This season is an absolute bust, travesty, disgusting factory, uh, which we'll get to at the end of the season. There's not really even a point to talk about them until the season wraps up Then our thoughts when it comes around draft time with how bad they've been. Um, the very last thing I forgot, I, hand up, I forgot to ask this listener question or just that just theory or kind of statement, just our thoughts. One of those questions, like, I need your thoughts. It was about the Super Bowl, but it also was a good ending one, just a thing to talk about. They said to, quote, break down why we give Matthew Stafford a free pass for leaving the Lions when the likes of Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders retired as Lions. 
Number one. If you if you give him a pass, why do you? Number one. The Lions <laughs> traded Matthew Stafford. Now I understand he requested to be traded, allegedly. But the Lions uh, I think I don't think it's say allegedly. I'm pretty sure he did. The <laughs> Lions <laughs> could have kept him, but they did trade him. So he didn't just dip out. Um and Matthew Stafford gave a lot to the franchise and also I don't hate on Calvin Johnson for retiring. Uh, I also wasn't really – I mean, I was two, I think, or something when Barry Sanders retired, so I don't have any, yeah. any thoughts really him, on that. You, you flipped him the bird in your diaper. But Calvin retired for injury, sucking, all this other reasons, um, so I'm not going to fault that guy. The team sucking. Yeah, no, not – yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, I was like, well, getting crazy right now. Yeah, so, no. I mean, I I don't even really agree with the sentiment of that listener question. I agree with you. I give them all a pass. So, like, maybe there's people out there that don't give them a pass, but I give all three of those players a pass because if you play for the Lions, you, there's nothing really you could do that, you know, like, I'm never going to blame you for trying to leave this team. No. <laughs> I'll why, just say why that. Would, why would someone? The organization gives you nothing, and you're expected to just... I've got take. It. I can I can see I, the take. I don't on have a hot tongue. take, but I just understand where this listener is coming from. Um, it was you. You wrote this in. Evan, no, I, no. Dude, that's not good for the pod. <laughs> um, and where like some of like the media and some of the fans deep down hate Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson the way they went out because you quote unquote had years left to play according to like the medium so to speak they don't know what they were going through day-to-day basis they don't know how their bodies were reacting day-to-day basis and like the age i would say is a reason why people hate them um and then the like the position i think people tend to love the quarterback position and kind of give a free pass to that to where it's like a skill position or any other position kind of just they don't I don't want to. I don't want to say the wrong thing. You know, there's not a free passer for the quarterback position, or for the like skill positions. Yeah, and people like you kind of said people think skill position players are divas a lot of time anyway, yeah. so that doesn't help. Like they just think they only care about themselves, whereas the quarterback's the most selfless human being that ever walked the planet. But yeah, I, I guess yeah, you're right. We shouldn't just scoff at it because there is a sentiment where people are like, oh, like they retired too young, blah blah blah. Boomers. But our boomer yeah. fathers probably think that. Man, they're probably just disappointed, and we were all like, they were. We were decently like had some emotions of disappointment when Stafford left, not for him to sign to leave, but more so that it was ending and we couldn't do anything with him. The good thing know? is with that, we can always just go back and see what our thoughts were. I haven't cried. I almost did. I wouldn't say I did. <laughs> not on air. At least he did it on air. Did not do it on air. <laughs> but did Evan cry a little when his head hit the pillow that night? Well. Up for debate. It was easier to fall asleep. Let me say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to end us out here, wait. Um, what? Uh, I have a request from one of our questions that it gets answered today, and you, it can just be very brief. Okay, just, just a yes or no. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me, so sorry to that listener. I, I can't find it. It's not in my messages. I didn't realize wow. you put it only in the Google Drive. No problem. If the Lions get Devontae Adams no. and hit on the draft in their first three picks, oh, can I they make this. the playoffs? I'm going to say this. I really wanted it answered. 
I'm going to give a little tease for this listener. It's going to come during Lions offseason time. I have them all saved in archive listener questions. There's at least like six of them because people Ooh. are just... The people are in our boxes asking about the lines, and it's just guys. We need to relax a little bit on the lines. People want to know about the greatest sport in America. I know what you're talking. I, I, yeah, it's a good, it's a great question. It's a great question to ask, which we will answer. I want to do it more in depth. I don't want to in depth. I don't want to rush through it um, just in one sitting. But we will get to that. They'll just have to wait and keep on listening. But or if they give up, if they get mad and they give up listening, we'll just we'll just tell them on our own one time because. <laughs> we can do it that way but yeah that, that actually was what i was going to say as i close out if your question wasn't answered do not fret it will yeah. get answered on a future he, show he texted me at like he wants 3 30 and was like am i too late for the question i just submitted and i said no because yeah. i thought you know maybe we wouldn't talk about basketball as much but we did so sorry sorry man the topics the lines are on the docket yet three months from be. now they will be soon um all right so at shot of ms everywhere tiktok facebook twitter instagram how to listen apple pods spotify youtube rate review follow all that stuff again like we say it's for free like the chief of props said we're just doing it for free we're just having fun it's not monetized yet what could it do we want it to be one day ever maybe who knows right now we're just having fun enjoying life and all we ask out of you guys is just to click a button on your phone or copy and paste a link to a friend um t- use your thumbs on your keyboard and write a little review you know um should we do the should we do um the foreplay golf podcast their kind of thing where they say someone's name and they say anyone named this you have to go leave a review right now yeah Call let's out do a it. name and just all right <laughs> alex you start jeff who out there jeff <laughs> any jeffs out there get in there open that phone app you're probably you're probably a spotify listener jeff you're gonna get in there and you're gonna write a brand new review and leave a five star since it's a new spotify you can say something feature. mean but you're gonna put five stars and then yeah. you, and no, then you you're can, gonna you put say, your name at the end of it so we know that a jeff heard this you guys can say this this guy sucks these guys suck but i can't stop listening i'm listening <laughs> just for the chief of prop this week i get that that's fine all right i got um mark mark, mark. You're a 45-year-old middle-aged man who hates your corporate tech job. Wow. And you, you listen to this when the 3 p.m. sleepies hit, and you guzzle a five-hour energy, and you put on a shot of Michigan sports to get your takes. And you're going to go in there. You're a little bit older, so you're 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 an Apple guy because it's downloaded on your phone, and you have an, you have an Apple. And you're just going to get in you there. You don't know what the other apps it. are. You're going to leave a little review as well. And you're just going to five stars and say, these guys attacked me a little too personally. I, I do hate my corporate job, but God damn it. Do I love listening to them once a week? <laughs> Evan? All Andrews out there. You're a little on the younger side. It's more of a hip, young, uh, Gen X, Gen Z, Gen whatever. I don't even know. Um, all of them. All of them. You know, you just got your Starbucks in the morning. You're on your way to work. <laughs> Just got a new job. Everything's going great. You're living life and you pop this on and your name just got called out. So you might as well scroll through that phone on your lunch break and write a review. Yeah. This what do you good. have to lose? We Nothing. should do this all the time. It's yeah, once stuff. a show, it's I really think. Funny. <laughs> it takes a lot of creativity. I may have just used all my bullets on this first <laughs> one. But um, for those people as well, you know, and everyone, submit those questions. Keep them coming. Keep them flowing. Even if they're about the lines and they're not answered today, they will get answered eventually. And they spice up the show. And again, it can be life. You know, life, life questions were great be, last week. Be Whoever did those, come on. 
Give them back at least once. At least once a month, you know. It'd be fun. So that's all I have. Um, Cheers to episode 59. And my side cheers is to a great interview with the chief of prop. I don't have anything to drink, so I can't cheers. Sorry, man. Cheers. I don't have anything to cheers oh, to. No. Um, oh, embarrassing. Really embarrassing. It is. There's not much going on, you know. Another snowstorm. You did well on your exam. Cheers to doing well on my exam. Yes. yes. Love that. I was worried you were going to say you did bad. <laughs>